I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's guest is Chris Byers, CEO of Formstack, a workplace productivity solution built to transform the way people collect information and put it to work. Chris describes his role as developing the leaders in the organization into great leaders, as great leaders help carry out the organization's purpose. Chris describes himself as a practical person, and yet we spent our entire conversation talking about vision. It's clear through our conversation that Chris has worked to develop a long-term mindset. He's developed future-focused habits by forcing himself and his team to take time to think about the future and write down what they want to be true at a later date. As you'll hear, all of that work stems from some great advice he received around determining his why. Listen in as Chris shares how to get yourself out of the day-to-day focus to free up headspace to think longer term, because in the end, vision is simply stating what the future looks like. Yeah, I'd say a a couple things drive a lot of where I am today. First of all, I think, you know, I just happened to grow up in a time where uh, the internet was blowing up. And so this idea of building software, building products that could help people kind of be more efficient with their day because that software just makes them so, uh, just has always fascinated me. And so uh, that has driven me through a a series of startups and businesses that have uh, kind of exposed a lot of that to me. And I'd say the other thing is, I have seen some really visionary people around me who are, you know, have grown very large organizations. And in fact, I'd say often in nonprofits where they, you know, the way you motivate people, the way you get people excited is really a lot more about vision than say, hey, I'm paying you, so do your job. And so I think a, a couple of those things have really driven the way I think about uh, growing an organization and, and becoming a better leader. Yeah. So tell us more about the way you motivate people is more about vision than it is what they're getting paid. How did you come to realize that? You know, it it took me a long time. I I suppose I started the process really through spending time with a business coach. I I kind of kept finding myself frustrated in um, the results I was seeing and the way people were acting in uh, my inability to communicate what was in my head. And uh, it, it started with something actually slightly more basic than vision, and it was almost vision for myself. And, and the question that the, the kind of coach asked me was, what is your why statement? And, and what that really means is, what is it about you that is likely going to be very true no matter what job you're doing? What is the purpose that, uh, that is just kind of in you that you're going to play out? in any role. And it kind of freed me up to think about, yep, I, I might absolutely be in this job leading Formstack tomorrow or next year or 10 years from now, but it's important for me to understand what it is about me that's not going to change, even if I'm in a different job uh, tomorrow. And as I discovered that, it, it be- gave me some foundation to start thinking about the future and uh, what vision could, could look like for Formstack. What was it that you discovered through that process? You know, the why statement I discovered was uh, that I, I want to help develop leaders into great leaders. And what I think there is 
almost everybody you interact with, really everybody, is a leader in some way. They're leading their own time. They're leading their family. They're leading some an organization or a portion of an organization. And I need my job. And I, I something that's just always in me is I'm always going to engage with someone and try to help them get to the next level, get to the next stage. It's just a, a place that I like to spend time. If, if I meet somebody new over lunch, uh, we'll often very quickly get there. And so that was a really good discovery to help me understand myself first before I started to think about, uh, say, Formstack and what's the vision that I wanted to develop. Yeah. So it's not so much about what you do, it's why you do it. And for you, it's about developing leaders. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and once I understood I was about developing leaders, that kind of covered my day to day. It helped me understand how do I operate my day, my week? How do I engage with people? Where do I spend maybe more time than other leaders might because I care about this? And so I think that helped a great deal. And then the other discovery that came along for me was, you know, I, I was uh, I took this business over from the founder, and he had started another company. He went on to fund it, spend time on it, and I said, "Hey, I'll come in and run this for six months." And at the end of that, hopefully, I'll find somebody to run it long term. And well, turns out, ten years later, I'm still here. Uh, but part of that journey was for that first kind of six months ish, maybe a little bit more than that. The question on my mind was always, uh, our founder's name is Ade Alano, and I, I, my question was always kind of a what would Ade do in this situation? He had grown a great organization. I wanted to continue that, and so uh, I'd ask that question. And thankfully, at some point, I kind of discovered through, I was actually attending a conference and something someone said stuck with me, and it was really this idea that I could not live my life wondering what he would do because I'll never know, even if I knew what he would do, I wouldn't know why he was doing it. I wouldn't know what data went into him making a decision. And so I needed to take my own kind of responsibility and vision and say, you know what, I'm going to do what I think we need to do to grow this business, to make it successful. And I might fail, but I've got to be okay with that because if I don't, I'm never going to really make the right decisions for the business. So it goes back to your why then. Yeah, I think so. I, I, that's a great you know, observation. So much of a company when you are leading it really is a reflection of the leader. If it's not, something's probably a little bit strange. Um, it feels very selfish at times. Like I'm going to make a decision kind of because I think it's right or because it fits my personality. But I do need to be able to create sustainability for myself. And so sometimes those decisions hopefully are really good for the business, but but do have a kind of a selfish why nature to them of this is why I think I'm supposed to be here. And so that's the it helps me drive the vision I'm going to carry out. Well, and it's not about not learning from Ade. Like no doubt there were good things that you'd seen him do that you wanted to take on and replicate in some way. But Talk a little bit about that balance of learning from others and staying true to who you are. Ade and I still to this day spend, I mean, 10 years in, we get on the phone every other week. And, um, you know, at, at times in the past, it's been a lot more than that, or, or maybe even a little bit less than that. But we get on and it's it's a business conversation most of the time. We'll talk family and things like that. But both of us like to engage on that topic. And so it is by all means, not that I don't appreciate 
all of that time and investment he's made and kind of giving me feedback and, and thinking and, and talking through the future. Uh, but it's simply that at the end of the day, a choice is going to be made. We're going to start a project. We're going to try a new initiative. And I am the only one who can be responsible for that. He can't, your coaches can't, your mentors, your, you know, your belief that you want to be the next Apple or Microsoft or whatever. Uh, you just can't learn enough about those people, organizations. And in fact, you can't recreate the environments they were in. And so you need to look at the environment around you and make decisions about how to move the organization forward and build a vision that can be sustaining and can be, you know, kind of high impact for the future. So I'm seeing some dots connecting here because so you're starting about you're, you're talking about following your path and you so you had this recognition that you, you really need to come to understand like what drives you and you learned that it was all about developing leaders. And like around that time, right, you're, you're also really coming to this, like, I've got to be confident making decisions like based on what I would do. So no doubt, all of that is connected, right? It's it's all part of that process of figuring out what your path is. So then how does that connect, Chris, to vision? For me, I always struggled with the idea of mission and vision. Those words sound very heavy. They sound very, uh, you know, there are visionaries. I never really thought of myself that way. And one of the things one of my coaches uh, really helped me understand that vision is merely stating what does the future look like? Let's pretend like we're five years in the future right now. Let's pretend like that. What are some true things you want to say about that moment in time? Here are some characteristics of our team. We're going to be a great team that's agile and we're highly collaborative. We love working together. And so those things can, at a given moment, sound like very aspirational. And, and that was one I think we can all get excited about. But maybe you state something about your, your product or your organization. We want to be at $1 million, $10 million, $100 million. These are things that are merely, again, stating what does the future look like? What is a, uh, if it plays out to perfection, to, you know, a really good degree, what are some things I'd love to be saying in the future? And all of a sudden that becomes vision. And so that really helped me get over this hump of what goes into a vision. It, it's merely, I think for me, I'm a very practical person. And so I can, in my mind think, oh, this would be amazing if our product did this or if our organization was global and you know team members around the world. But then my practical side says, yeah, but that's a long ways away or I don't know how to do that or, uh, or that's a big risk. And then I don't say it. It's when I say it that helps people get excited and say, oh, I want that too. And I maybe have some ideas to bring to the table to help us get there. And really, hopefully my ideas are very few of the ones that actually get executed. My hope is that other people are driving and building new innovations and ideas in our business uh, to, to get us to that next level. So how did you develop that future-focused orientation? Like, Definitely, it sounds like this work with your coach and just reframing what a vision is. But how have you come to develop that in yourself as a leader? I think it's important for anybody listening to hear that I have been at this for 10 years. And so I have had various iterations and attempts and failures and attempts, and I'm still not there, but just, it is okay to take some time. It is okay to write something down on a piece of paper and see, see if it plays out or see if um, it feels like the right thing. 
and you know take it in steps. I'd say the first really successful uh, moment we had was uh, I got a group of people together and I said, let's write down what we want to be true three years from now. So this was in 2012 and we said, what is our vision 2015? So three years out, that's a manageable time and digestible time. I, I can kind of if I do five years, it's like, I don't know what my life's going to be like in five years. Three years is somewhat reasonable. We can kind of look back three years most of the time and remember things about life. And so we wrote down um, kind of by department, what are some key things that we want to be true about our department? Some of those were cultural values. Some of those were uh, you know, projects delivered, features delivered. But we did something that made us feel all a lot better. And we we called it a draft. We, we said it's you know, Vision 2015 draft. And we literally published it that way because I think the other side for us sometimes is the moment we write something down, we're like, oh crap, I don't know that I really wanted that to be written down or I've changed my mind or or, or now I've said it and I'm, I'm nervous, whatever. But when written in draft format, it feels a little bit more like, okay, I can at least write it down this time. And maybe I can change it later if I want to. I've got a document I can go back to. But what's amazing uh, is we looked back in 2015, even though probably one year later, we would have looked at it and said, man, this stuff isn't going as fast as we wanted. We're not really achieving the vision. But fast forward that three years, we looked back and a lot of those things were true. And the things that weren't true, we didn't care about. We had made some pivots and we liked the new outcome, but it really began to help us drive forward. And I'd say we've gotten better and better at that. How do we get comfortable writing those future thoughts down and also being okay knowing that you may feel like you just had to blow it up. 30 days in. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's gone. It may just mean you need to go focus on something else for a while and then come back to it. Well, and just taking the time to do that. Like just, I mean, someone had to say, hey, we're going to sit down. We're going to do this as a team. And here's why. So I think just taking the time is step one, isn't it? Absolutely. It, I remember back in 2012, we took a group of five people of a team of maybe 25, and we took three days and stopped doing everything else to, to write this down and, and make it happen. And I think that speaks to two things. One is, to your point, you do need to take the time. On the other side, if you think about it, three days is not that much time. And we got most of those thoughts out and on paper. So it's not as far away as you think it is. Yeah. And, and really, I mean, three years is going to be here before you know it. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's coming quickly. We all know that, particularly in the fast-paced world in which we live. I mean, just going into this new decade, I've been reflecting on how 2010 does not seem like 10 years ago. So it's really made me think about, you know, 2030 is going to be like staring me in the face before I know it. So do I want to be intentional about my life or do I want to continue to live by default? I, you know, I think of this work you're describing, Chris, as living by design. It's taking time to design our future because the future is going to come. I might as well be a part in, be a part in crafting what it looks like. I think that's right. And, and I think you, you speak to something that if you're listening, I'd take a moment and think about this. So for me, I have been in this now for 10 years, and so I can actually have thoughts about what could 10 years from now look like. If you had asked me to look 10 years in the future, one year in, two years in, three years in, I just said, you're crazy, and I just can't do it. And so I think it's okay to gauge how long have you been in the middle of whatever it is you're in. 
that may reflect about how far out you can think. And some of you are going to be amazing. You, you've got your great visionaries. You can think way into the future. And that's awesome. Go, go do that. <laughs> uh, don't, don't let me stop you. But if, if you're struggling with it, maybe it's just a year out that you need to worry about. Maybe it's just six months out and build on that and grow that over time. Yeah, because that's, that's future. I mean, that, yeah, that's building that future-focused muscle projecting yourself as far as you can. Yeah, that's good. And it's it's good for me to hear. I you know, I am naturally like very future oriented. Have always been such a dreamer. I mean, I remember even as a little kid, you know, I spent so much time imagining the possibilities of what could be and so not surprisingly, you know, when I do strengths finder, futuristic and strategic always show up and and so I have, as a leader, I've often projected that onto others and expected them to come with that natural enthusiasm for spending time around the future. And that's not the case for everyone. So you provide good insight there. Like think about the future, whatever that means for you, whatever is most comfortable for you. Yeah. And, and in my strengths finder, I'm an activator. And so what that means is I'm probably the opposite. I'm the I don't want to think about the future. I want to get going right now and we'll assume it'll all work itself out. And so, uh, you know, I need to anchors and, and kind of things to force me forward uh, to, to think that way. So I, I love that you've thought about personality and personality types and, and strengths, because I, I do think those are important things to understand along the way to really help guide how you're going to build uh, your future. Well, and, and particularly if you're doing this work as a team, having a like, diversity of perspective and strengths in that conversation is is going to strengthen the vision because then we're all bringing something to it. Yeah, I, absolutely. And that's where your vision turns into something really exciting is when you can get other people excited about it. That's when they get engaged, they bring you ideas, they bring energy, and you start to really accomplish more than you expected. Yeah. So tell us, how have you done that? At Formstack, you know, one of the things that we have done over time is we get the company together once a year, and we call it Converge. It's where uh, so we're actually a remote organization. So we do have a couple offices: Indianapolis, Colorado Springs, but we also have a highly remote team who work in their homes all over the world. And so once a year, we get everybody together. And it's really about relationships and casting vision. And so we talk about vision throughout the year, but that's our kind of great moment to crystallize it again, reframe it, rephrase it. And so uh, we will try to build content for what is three, four days all around the vision. It, I usually do that in pillars. So maybe we have the vision statement of some sort. You know, for us, it is that transforming the way people collect data and put it to work. But then we start to break that down into big pillars. What are some big ideas that we want to convey? And so for us, for instance, we're trying to build, uh, you know, a global brand that people know for fixing problems. If you're in business and you need a problem fixed, we hope you think of us. And so uh, I usually break that in, down into three pillars that we can start to put some steps behind that people can say, okay, I can, I can kind of see where I can jump in and, you know, help. We'll also try to 
break those pillars down into ways that departments you can easily see slotting in. Because as you get bigger, uh, people get further from the vision, further from what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, And so take that brand kind of idea. You can see, of course, marketing fitting in there. You can see product fitting in there because they're building a product that makes it easy for people to do their jobs. And so those types of things are a little bit more practical and granular, but they really help people uh, process the vision better. What feedback have you gotten from the team on that? You know, I, I've seen some really good excitement this year uh, about we, we actually did a very aspirational kind of pillar to our vision this year, and it was to reach six million businesses around the world so that they'd know who we are. And that's not we're selling our product to them necessarily, just that we're getting our name out there. And sometimes I really struggle with those aspirational ones. Six million is a huge number. It's really on the verge of impossible, but it really got a lot of people excited internally. And I have seen projects thrown at me. And and I literally yesterday, I got a proposal for how we could engage with startups to um, give them free product for a while so that they can, you know, get going in those early years and get successful. And it was all around that idea of how do we kind of get ourselves known and be helpful to the world. And so I've seen three or four of those projects just in the past month since we presented the vision. And that's just exciting because most days I feel like, well, I'm going to have to go work on this. I'm going to have to get the job done. I'm, you know, I've taken this goal on and yet all of a sudden I've got people supporting me who are kind of doing something extra. It's not in their probably team goals to do this. They're just saying, Hey, I like that. That's going to help us long-term. I've got some ideas on how to accomplish it. Well, isn't that incredible? So by casting a vision, you gave something, an opportunity for people to step up to something. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and I think we all, we all want to do that. It's, uh, whether it's in the nonprofit world where you're casting vision for eliminating poverty or you know something that we can I think anybody can get behind or if it's in business to to really help people think how could we be as a company much bigger than we are much more high impact than we are people get excited about that we they want to be a part of things organizations like that and so if they can contribute uh, and, and I think it goes back to the idea that I believe that most people have amazing ideas in their heads. They aren't always allowed to, and I don't think it's allowed. Most of us in our organizations, especially if you're listening to a podcast, you want to learn and you in turn likely have a fairly open organization, uh, at least where you can have an impact on it. But people don't feel permission uh, to push those ideas out and say, hey, I'd like to see this in the wild and see this tried. Uh, And and. I don't think it's because we do things to intentionally tamp that down. We just don't always create the space for it and say, hey, this is, you know, this is a place you could probably bring some amazing ideas and be a part of it. Well, or give them something to align with. I mean, that's what I hear in this example, that you put this big picture out there that that gives them something to aspire to then. So I don't know. I wonder if like some of that lack of sharing is like, well, I'm just not really that jazzed up about anything. Like, I don't, I don't even know. No doubt. I, one of the things I've learned over time is if a number that is especially a dollar number is in part of your vision, you're probably going to cause some crickets to start chirping because people somewhere between don't know what to do with it <laughs> to just hey, that's not very inspiring. You know, as business leaders, 
I think we can often say I can attach a bunch of cool things to a number, a revenue number, for instance, that I get excited about. I can see the team growing. I can see new opportunities for team members and you know management levels and growth paths. I can see those things. It's hard for other people to see it that way. And so you often have to keep working on your phrasing, keep working on how you deliver that because you can be thinking some of the same things, but people just don't naturally pick it up. Right. It's, it's so it's, I think the, the encouragement I always, I always provide is, or for myself when casting a vision is thinking about the shared component of it, right? The, how, how is the common good <laughs> showing up here in this vision? Like, well, you know, I always think of the Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream example and how, you know, even if you've not listened to all 15 minutes of that, like we, we can all see his audience responding to him. You know, he stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., and the crowd resonated because they could see themselves in that dream. And that's, that's for me always like, well, will people be able to see themselves in this vision that I'm casting? Clearly with your example, Chris, people could see themselves in that because they started, they showed up with ideas. They had thoughts on here's what we can do. And I think that's where there's something about engaging, just like in that I have a dream speech, there's almost something about engaging the idea of the impossible that gets people really excited. I, I know a couple organizations right now who are, you know, one one is trying to eliminate extreme poverty and they stuck a timeline on it. They said, hey, we think we can eliminate extreme poverty in the world by 2030. Well, eliminating extreme poverty, yep, we're all thumbs up. We'd love to see that happen. The moment you put a year to it, it's like, oh, they're going to put some real plans and actions together and they're going to really try to accomplish this. I was listening to uh, or, or watching the, I think it's Inside Bill's Brain about Bill Gates recently and how he's trying to eliminate uh, polio. And again, he like stuck a year to it. And if you're in the middle of the downside of any of those poverty, polio, whatever, you would have a really hard time seeing how it's ever going to end. But by putting that nearly impossible goal out there, but, but maybe just reachable. I think that's where you really engage people. Yeah. Cause it, uh, frees us up to imagine the possibilities of what could be like, and that's, that's so exciting. Who doesn't want to be a part of that? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So many great takeaways here. Well, and just that idea of engaging the idea of the impossible, that's, that's very energizing, but, but I want to go back and connect the dots between all the key things you shared with us you know, you, you started with that, uh, that question that your coach posed, what is it about you that's always going to be true, no matter where you are? What an empowering question that is, because wherever you go, there you are. So what are those core aspects of you? And you found, Chris, that it was developing leaders and have brought that into Formstack, and we'll take that with you wherever you are. And I mean, that's who you are as a father, as a husband, right? As a friend. I mean, that's, that's who you are. That's inspiring. You've also given us a lot of great takeaways around vision. This idea, um, huge takeaway for me, is just the idea of that time frame is going to be different for different people based on where they are, what their experiences have been. How long have you been in the midst of what you're in is a good way to, to think about how far you can go out. And then the just the the great idea that you shared around bringing your team together once a year and what that looks like and the work that you've done there. 
So, so thank you. Thanks for those takeaways. Thanks for being a part of our show and inspiring us and congrats on the success that you've had at Formstack. And we're looking forward to seeing how the organization continues to grow and evolve. Well, thanks for that. It's been a lot of fun to, uh, to talk about this and uh, hopefully some of those words can be helpful to people who are trying to solve some, some interesting problems right now. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt it's helpful. You have also recently launched a podcast. So tell us about that and t- tell us where we can find it. Yeah, we've just uh, launched a podcast called Ripple Effect. And we're exploring this idea that as uh, a lot of us are problem solvers and we solve problems every day. But one of the things we don't always think about is how does that impact people one, two, kind of three layers downstream? Because uh, sometimes we'll uh, you know, build software or we will uh, cast vision and yeah, it kind of impacts that first recipient, and we know that, but we don't always think about how does that impact maybe the people around them, their families or their constituents. And so we're really trying to explore that idea of how our work can have multiple layers of impact. And so we're excited about that. You can find kind of uh, me on LinkedIn to help uh, find that, or if you search for Ripple Effect in your kind of favorite podcast app, you should be able to uh, track that down. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.